Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and our victorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This evening we continue to look at the sermon series that we've been looking at entitled The Son of God Goes to War. And this evening we're going to talk about the skirmishes he's faced and it's based on the text from Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 which reads, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term captology. It's a technology that's designed to change people's beliefs and behavior. Social media has used it to get us to upload our pictures, divulge our personal info so others can know that we're on vacation, what we our, uh, what our diet is and, and what our diet we're on, how funny our cat is or how frustrated we might be with our lives. That technology is also used to get us to click on links to buy stuff, to watch the next YouTube video, and the next, and the next, and so on and so forth. So we can also watch all the accompanying commercial ads, of course. You know, the designers of those platforms, they understand the human nature. And they've got a well-laid-out plan to manipulate our behavior. But social media is not the first ones to do that. Changing people's beliefs has been going on for centuries. Someone has been at work on that since Adam and Eve. And we know who. We, we know who the enemy is. We know he hates us. And he has enough of an understanding of our sinful nature that he knows how to use it well in his war plan to hurt us and to turn us against our gracious God. You know how successful he was against Adam and Eve and Eden and you know that he's won battles against all of us ever since. The horrible thing is that the enemy had a bigger target than just us. He targeted our hero. Our enemy targeted his attacks on our champion when our champion lived on earth. But unlike you and me, he's a champion because he was victorious over every one of those battles. Without a doubt, the, the devil made many attacks on Jesus, but he never won. Jesus always overcame his attacks. This is what's great about this verse in Hebrews. It's so clear. I mean, you can't be wrong when you hear it. When it says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, Yet he did not sin. When Jesus entered the public ministry at the age of 30, the, the devil stepped up his attacks on Jesus because he was desperate. He had to stop the Savior. He was desperate to do anything to stop him. That's why he was so diabolical. The word diabolical comes from the name that Matthew used to describe the devil when he came to tempt or to test Jesus in the desert. He was diabolus. He's diabolical. He is the devil. He's just evil to the core. Matthew chapter 4 gives us the account of that skirmish between Satan and Jesus. Jesus 
didn't hide from that battle whatsoever. In fact, the Holy Spirit actually led our Savior into the desert to be tempted. God's purpose in doing this was to show Satan that this perfect man, Jesus, really and truly was the perfect substitute and that he was going to win here where Adam and Eve had failed. When Satan appeared on that battlefield, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. You have to imagine just what that would be like. He had to have been weak. He had to have been thin. He had to have been tired. And so the devil, very confident, comes up to Jesus. He's a confident and powerful angel. And you have to picture him almost smiling, friendly, and acting as if he cared. After all, the scriptures do say that he can masquerade even as an angel of light. So his first attack was an attempt to exploit his advantage. Jesus had been without food, and the devil comes with a temptation for Jesus to listen to him and to put food before the word of his heavenly Father and the purpose that his Father had sent him to accomplish. I mean, really, when Satan tempted Jesus, he really said, in effect, you know, Jesus, you're obviously starving. You need to eat. Otherwise, you're not even going to make it to the cross. Here, Turn these stones into bread before you die. But Jesus holds firm. He resists the words of Satan and he depends on God's word, not Satan's. And so he says to Satan, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, Satan goes on in his second attack, distorts the word of God to tempt Jesus to do what his heavenly father never told anyone to do. I see you trust your father, Jesus. Show that you believe him, that he'll take care of you. Just jump off this point to the temple, to the Kidron Valley below. God will send his angels to preserve you. I mean, what an amazing and impressive demonstration of God's power, Jesus. But again, Jesus turned the temptation away by trusting in his heavenly father's words and not Satan's. And he scolds Satan, he says, it's also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. But Satan didn't walk away then. No, 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 no. Satan was not finished. He chose once more to manipulate Jesus and turn him from his goal of saving humanity. You know, so many people in this world placed the world's wealth before God, and Satan had been successful with so many using that approach. So he thought Jesus might stumble there too. He said, you know, this is, this is such a dusty, poor part of the world. You're better than this. You're worth so much more. Think of all the good you could do if you had wealth and power. Worship me. Let me give it all to you, Jesus. Away from me, Satan. Jesus finally says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus maintains his priority. God first. With the scriptures, he answered all the temptations of Satan. And though weak, Jesus told Satan to jump back in his lake of fire. At that time, the devil stopped smiling. The dark anger boiling inside of him and defeated, he gave up that day. He'd be back. But for that day, he was defeated. Jesus stayed strong and calm and determined 
and even loving through all of this. Because as he remains obedient to his heavenly father, he follows through on the plan of saving humanity, of winning that final great battle that was yet to come. For now, this skirmish ended in victory. So the score, Satan, big old goose egg, zero. Jesus, victory every single time. But there's something else that you can learn from this skirmish. And that's that Jesus is a mighty warrior. You know, Satan wouldn't be alone in his attack. Satan's battle plan shifted away from Jesus. And eventually it went to include the high priest. Eventually it even comes to include us. Satan enlisted into his army both the retired high priest Annas and his son Caiaphas in the plot to kill Jesus. Annas and Caiaphas betrayed their God and their purpose as high priests. They wanted to rid the world of Jesus just as Satan wanted to do. Thankfully, for you and me, Jesus is a far different kind of priest. You know, instead of others having to prepare a sacrifice... As the high priest would do, Jesus did it all himself. Instead of the privacy of the holy place where sacrifices were offered, the altar on which Jesus put his sacrifice was in public view of the cross. The shameful and painful and horrible, torturous, horrible cross. Finally, our great high priest became the sacrificial lamb. And all because his heart was so big. He has room in his heart for every one of you. Because he loves every single one. This great high priest knows our weaknesses. He experienced every kind of temptation possible. And he saw how a vulnerable person could lose those battles. Our evil enemy has an armory full of weapons as he tries to pry you away from your trust in our Lord Jesus. So what's, what is your weakness? What is your battleground? What temptations are you struggling with? Where has Satan found your most vulnerable spot? You know, it's interesting, in a national religious survey on temptation, people said that they struggled most with, uh, first, worry. Uh, second, they also struggled with lack of self-control. Uh, you know, spending too much time on social media, overspending, um, getting angry, things like that. Third, and this is in no particular order, third, lust, including, of course, pornography, and then fourth, lying and cheating. You know, they may, amazingly, when asked, uh, you know, why they gave in to temptation, if you said they enjoyed it uh, or that it got them away from real life, but, you know, most people said that they didn't know why. Yeah, you know, I find myself tempted by the things in that list. I find myself tempted by a bunch of other things, too. And I know that you have been tempted with some of those or other things as well. I, I know you have felt Satan's temptations draw you away too. You know, if there were a brain scanning tool that could be focused on 
my or your thought life and could broadcast our personal thoughts on a video screen. They'd be interested to see what's connected to our names. I mean, would it show us deeply entranced in the worship of our Lord? Or would it show that you'd wandered away during the words of the reading or the well-thought-out words of a hymn? Would there be invasive thoughts? You know, thoughts that just pop up out of nowhere about paying bills, about what could be the matter with so many in our congregation when few haven't attended worship in so long? And you have? Or are there other darker things that we couldn't even put on the screen because we'd just be too ashamed? You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Satan's happy with whatever gets your mind away from Jesus. Because every time something gets you away from Jesus, he gets you closer and closer to being damned just like he wants. He wants to see you damned and separated from Christ. And he uses temptation as a a cyber virus in our minds to get us to do it. Think of all the daily skirmishes that you've had with him over so many different issues. And when you think of that, remember Jesus. Think of all the daily skirmishes that Jesus had with the devil and the world. And how he's won every single one for you. Every minute during his life here on earth, uh, in thought, in word, in deed, in everything, Jesus kept the Ten Commandments perfectly, as well as everything else that the Father wanted him to do. You know, don't forget, Jesus was a real human. He was 100% God, but also 100% man. Now, it's true, he didn't have a sinful nature like us. He was pure inside, like Adam was originally. But Jesus succeeded where Adam and Eve failed. Jesus remained pure all throughout his entire life. Because to do the Father's work was his goal. He said in John chapter 4, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He loved to do his Father's will. He was God's son and he loved to talk to his Father. There's a a perfect intimacy between them. And as you read the pages of the Bible, it's clear that Jesus was in constant contact with his Father in heaven. The good news is that he didn't come to this earth just to see if he could keep his own commandments as God and man. This, This wasn't just an exercise for Jesus. This was not just an experiment. He came and he faced those battles and eventually had a final battle with the devil. Because you and I couldn't handle the job. You know, there'd be no hope for the human race if if somebody who was pretty good, you know, uh, say St. Augustine or St. Paul or St. John, Mother Teresa, anyone you could think of that was the best possible human being. There'd be no hope if any of them were to represent the whole human race at God's court. They, they wouldn't be able to stand before God be, for themselves because of all the sin in their lives. What chance would you and I have if they were to stand before him for us? Now, humanity needed a perfect someone who would be our hero, our substitute, and stand in who could qualify to take our place at the justice bar of God. And Jesus is that one. 
He did it for us, loving as much as possibly could be imagined. He loved us completely when he did it. He gave us his obedience to his heavenly father. We're covered, clothed, we're hidden under the garment of our warrior's perfect life. His victory is yours so that you can stand before God forgiven, holy, confidently. And yet we do use the word struggle to define our efforts to be faithful. It's an accurate word. It's it's really a war. And all of us have lost so many conflicts. So when you realize all the conflicts that you face every day and you think about all the different skirmishes that you have lost and then realize that Jesus was perfectly faithful every second of his life, that every time you lost a skirmish, he faced it and won, you really begin to understand what a massive battle with temptation and sin Jesus really had. You can't help but think how great a warrior he really is. And he hasn't left us. Our, our great hero has not left us alone to face temptation and trials from our enemy by ourselves. He promises to protect us and rule over all things, Satan included, for our good. When we face temptations, he's got our back. Even in the midst of this coronavirus where it seems the world is just going into this chaos and you can be worried about what's going to happen next. Satan's using that to pull you away, to, to get you to be afraid and to question God. But Jesus is in control. Because he's won every skirmish in the great battle and war for you. And so he's got your back as that victor. That's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And on top of that, not only does he promise to be with us in every temptation and give us a way through it, he, he says, come to me, all you who are worried and burdened, I'll give you rest. He tells us that we can pray for anything in his Father's name and come to him in any struggle and that he'll deliver us. When we're hurting, Jesus knows what we feel like. When we have problems, he experienced all kinds of those problems too. He was despised by his enemies. He was rejected by his own people. People told evil lies about him. When we talk to him, we're not talking to some far off God. He hears the words of our hearts and can certainly and does certainly relate. He is one of us. He really does care. Over and over again, his words and his life all reinforce how great his love is for us. Most importantly... Take comfort in the fact that Jesus has taken away the guilt of every one of your sins. By offering the sacrifice of his perfect life on your behalf, God has forgiven all your sins, including every single time that you've ever failed in temptation. That's why we can sing the words from what a friend we have in Jesus. You know, have, have, when it says, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged 
but take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows your every weakness, so take it to the Lord in prayer. Your warrior has fought every skirmish and won. And because of that, you are also a victor. Nothing can stop that. Nothing should make us afraid that anything otherwise can happen when Jesus Christ has your back as that great warrior. The battle's done. The war is finished. And Jesus and you are victorious. Amen. And may the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep your hearts and minds safe in that victorious Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.